Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Julius Bear Beyond Markets podcast, on this occasion recording from the UK. I'm Mark Winterburn, Head of Investment Advisory for the UK, and today I'm joined by Anne Doe, a colleague in the Portfolio Management Team. Anne, welcome. Thank you, Mark. Um, so it continues to be a very eventful uh, time in markets. Although we've had a bit of recovery in the last week and a bit, stocks have continued to be uh, very volatile and, uh, and obviously still down significantly year to date. And what has driven the continued weakness? Yeah, I think in from my point of view, a lot of the driver has been just a marker uncertainty that drives the sentiment around risk assets in general. If you look at inflation, this has continued to be strong throughout the year we have had so far. And that continues to be the main driver of central bank policies. If we take a step back throughout much of last year, it was quite common to believe that such strong inflation was only a temporary phenomenon. And that has allowed central banks to keep policies quite accommodative. More recently, you have seen more and more data point continues to point to strong inflation and a tight labor market. So as that happens, investors continue to price in an increasingly difficult policy environment. So what began as a change in rhetoric last year has continued this year and this month with the start of the hiking cycle back in March and also the start of the drawdown in the balance sheet later on. Most recently, the U.S. Central Bank delivered a 75 basis point hike. To be honest, this wasn't too much of a surprise for investors, but it's a continuation of the trend we've seen so far in terms of that difficult policy environment. As all gap gets digested in asset prices, uh, we have seen continued headwinds for equities so far. Yeah, I think a lot of this really is stems from the Fed dual mandate. So, so what we mean by that dual mandate is that unlike many central banks, the Federal Reserve both have a mandate to keep employment high and to promote price stability. And for the first time in a long time, there is a trade-off between the two. It's, it's seemingly difficult to have both. And at the moment, the Fed appears to be determined to address current high inflation rates by slowing demand and even accepting higher unemployment. At the same time, the Fed are to a large degree powerless because a lot of the, the factors that are affecting inflation are supply-driven. And so it's very hard to adjust interest rate policy to address those issues. And if the political pressure on the Fed remains extremely high. So I actually feel sorry for them in many aspects. On the one hand, policymakers seem to be blaming them for not working hard enough to offset the demand stimulation that was caused by the expansionary fiscal policy last year. On the other hand, the Fed are criticised for addressing a predominantly supply-side-driven inflation surge by crushing demand. And so whatever it does, it's largely it will fail on its maximum employment goal by slowing demand, or it will fail on its price stability mandate by, by allowing high inflation rates to persist until supply adapts, or even worse risking a de-anchoring of inflation expectations will lead to a structurally eroding price stability. So a very difficult situation for the Fed at the moment. I think that's the right observation, Mark. They are indeed trying to walk a very tight rope. And in my view, that has driven a slight shift in narrative as well, in light of that challenge coming closer to view. If you look at the dominating narrative that used to be higher inflation as a result of high growth, more recently, though, we're just sensing just more fears around the growth elements. 
with a deceleration of economic growth coming close into view. And in terms of the data points, you are seeing a bit of a softening in terms of the leading economic indicators. And from what I'm seeing personally covering companies day to day, there is an abundance of anecdotal evidence from retailers, from tech companies, just pointing to that inventory cycle and a potential slowdown in hiring as well. That said, I still think it's more of a softening for now. If you look at the private sector, there are actually very few signs of private sector imbalances of the type that characterize the worst downturns we've seen historically. So in my opinion, the worst case scenario still looks unlikely at this point. Um, However, coming back to just looking under the hood, that shifting narrative meant that the stock leadership has also changed in the month of June. If you look more recently, uh, sectors such as energy has been a little bit more mixed, whereas technology and healthcare has fared a little bit better. It could just be you know, short-term reversal of the trend we've seen year to date, but it could also be that investors are starting to shy away from more cyclical areas of the market that could be more exposed to a potential slowdown in growth as well. So Mark, in the context of that, with all that's been happening, what's your outlook and do you think there is a case for, for the downside from here? So if we start with, uh, unfortunately, the bad news, so far, I would argue that the sell-off that we've seen in stock markets has been very much interest rate driven. So it's been about equity valuations normalizing, perhaps upsetting a lot of the expansionary policy, both fiscal and monetary, that's been there over the last two years. So in short, recession is not priced in to markets. And if it was, we would see more significant downside from here. And market commentators I've read look at the S&P 500 for example, and say, well, if recession was to happen, they see the S&P bottoming at 3,000 to 3,200, depending on who you read. 3,000 would be a 37% decline from where it was last year, nearly 4,800. So that would seem in line with what markets have previously done during periods of recession. So in short, there is more near-term downside potential if that recession risk increases. I suppose then the question is, do we think recession is likely to happen? And we still see the risk that the current hawkishness uh, is going to push the US economy into a recession is quite low. In the coming 12 months, around 20%. Now, some commentators have it higher, but we just think it's around 20%. But there's a big caveat to that. Recession risk will increase going forward if the Fed moves the Fed Fund's target rate above the neutral rate. So the neutral rate is a rate of, of interest that's neither accommodative or restrictive. And when you look at the timeline on when rate rises are likely to happen for the rest of this year, probably Q4 of this year is the key quarter, because then we will be at this neutral interest rate. And if the Fed go significantly beyond that neutral rate in this period, we've got a signal there that they are keen more to fight inflation than to keep employment trends uh, stable. So I think that that will give us a much better steer as to whether recession is likely in the coming 12 months. So what we've done on the advisory desk, we've not been recommending clients cut their equity positions as such. So we haven't been making sort of calls to really reduce those positions, but we've been saying that that perhaps clients need a more balanced portfolio of equities. So more defensive positions. So whether that's in countries such as Switzerland, sectors such as healthcare and consumer staples, And indeed, even greater use of structured products whose capital protection features are are useful in times like this. And actually, because of the higher volatility, you could make some pretty decent uh, returns uh, during these periods as well. So we've been tweaking portfolios along those lines, but not really cutting equity allocations as such. 
Yeah, and I would agree with you um, around just the driver uh, of equities return being mainly sentiment. And at the desk, we also try to take the temperature of markets, uh, if you like, in multiple ways. And it's fair to say that sentiment is looking quite downbeat as we are at the moment. There are a number of investor surveys that you can look at. They point to a lot of pessimism. You can also look at positioning data. And that also shows that investors are often quite bearish. So it's fair to say that a lot of pessimism looks priced in. Uh, and the questions we keep asking ourselves is, um, is now the time to turn greedy when others are fearful, as the saying goes? And I suppose the more contrarian among us will probably look at this as an attractive buying opportunity. And uh, certainly current valuations alone make a strong case for, for long-term investors. Um, that's definitely the, the view that Julius Baer Strategies has. Uh, I would say that valuations and sentiment is an important driver. It's also one part of the equation and only usually works over the longer term as well. In the near to medium term, uh, I would say that there are any number of factors. Uh, flow dynamics could come into view. And in the medium term, central bank policy uh, has a critical role to play. Uh, if you zoom out, in my opinion, more fundamentally speaking, there are two headwinds that, that come into view. The number one headwind for me comes back to the point that we talked earlier about, uh, which is the Federal Reserve. And like we said, they are grappling with, with a very difficult task. And what that means for equities investors is that it might take a while before the Federal Reserve turns a friendlier side to markets. If I also put on my multi-asset hat uh, for a little bit, from a variety of valuation perspective, uh, this year you've seen both government bonds and equities selling off. So it's a little bit harder to say actually where the relative valuation falls at the moment, whether it looks attractive either way. Uh, in the context of that multi-asset portfolio. So that's potentially high number one with the Fed and the rising interest rate environment. The second one for me is more from a fundamental perspective, uh, what we are seeing on the ground covering stocks and covering companies day to day. It's been a while now when companies and management have had to grapple with really difficult supply chain conditions. And it's really difficult as it is for management to make business forecasts and decisions and then when we add the complexity of the post-pandemic recovery, it's even harder now for them to manage the inventory cycle, uh, manage input costs to grow and, and project profits. So as investors, I think the key question is to understand whether that picture is fully reflected in earnings growth forecasts, um, both their own and that of the market. And the second question is, for what type of companies is it really more reasonable to assume that they can weather the storm and continue to grow so those those two headwinds are are on my mind at the moment. Yeah, and I think on that matter, the, the Q2 earnings season is just around the corner and the visibility is, is probably the cloudiest it's been in, in a while. And I think it is going to be a, a challenging one, the upcoming earnings season. You've definitely got the potential for disappointments from single companies having the potential to weigh on overall market sentiment. And it's, it, as I say, tough times. Corporates are needing to navigate a number of headwinds such as supply chain bottlenecks, rising energy prices, uh, the highest inflation prints in decades, and the ongoing war in Ukraine. And we've already seen some pessimism start to feed through into analyst forecasts. We look at the um, S&P 500, analysts have lowered their Q2 earnings estimates for the S&P to 4.6%, down from 5.9% at the be beginning of the quarter. And that's all really to reflect the more challenging macroeconomic backdrop. So it's going to be the first earnings season that really is embracing or, or not embracing, I suppose, the more challenging environment we're seeing. So it's going to be a, a case of wait and see, and, uh, and let's see what happens there. Obviously, the, we talked about the negatives. Any silver linings you're seeing at the moment? 
Yeah, I think it's fair to say that sentiment is quite downbeat at the moment. But in this case, I think time horizon is a critical factor for investors. Over the long term, if you look at the data, we actually cannot underestimate earnings growth as the major driver of stock return. And that's good news in this environment, because generally speaking, over the longer horizon, earnings have kept pace with inflation. And that means for equities, their fundamental return is protected against inflation and moves up as price levels move up. It's a crucial factor should inflation continues to be this high. In my opinion, it's even better to invest in companies with a proven track record in doing so, with pricing power, with high and proven profitability, as well as the low debt, so that the combination of higher interest costs in this environment won't be too much of an impact on their profitability. And indeed, we still favor such companies in our multi-asset portfolios. And we continue to see day-to-day ample evidence of that pricing power being realized in real time across different sectors. So we are encouraged by what we're seeing from that perspective. Outside of that, those core holdings, we have been quite nimble in taking advantage of diversification opportunities um, in certain segments of the market as they arise. And as always, diversification and a long-term process remains quite crucial for investors in these times. Yeah, no doubt it's a challenging market environment currently. But I think it's important to say we don't see a systemic breakdown looming like uh, back in 2007 to 2008. And therefore, we do deem it important for investors to stick to their long-term investment plans and don't try to be too active in rebalancing. As as time in the market, we would always argue is difficult at the best of times. I would say even more so given the the backdrop we have. So whatever the near-term market trajectory, we still view the equity markets as being in a bull market phase driven by secular trends such as uh, digitalization and, and healthcare trends. So we advise that, that clients stay the course. Thanks, Anne, for joining me on today's podcast. Hope our listeners have found the discussion interesting. Please join us again soon, where we'll discuss the latest developments in markets, economics, and investments. Until then, all the best and goodbye. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.